The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to advance the Lordship of Christ, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. The culture war is back, 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 back. All right, the culture warriors have assembled, and we're good to go. A lot of stuff to uh, really go through. Great grist for the mill this morning on a cultural front. And joining us yet again, Dr. Scott Masson, associate pastor at the Westminster Chapel here in Toronto. Scott, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good morning. Good morning, John. Good morning, Justin. And Justin Trotche is a spokesperson for the Canadian Secular Alliance. Good morning, Justin. Good morning to both of you. All right. Uh, where do we start? Let's say uh, there's a treasure trove of riches, something we discussed earlier this morning. I'm curious to get your take on this. Barbara Kay, uh, who's opined in today's National Post, was saying that the U.K.'s got it right. Uh, David Cameron coming out the other day uh, speaking to the issue of what he considers to be uh, the horrific abuse of children and child pornography that's really just... Uh, fanning the flames here uh, and enticing all kinds of people. He believes that uh, there ought to be ISP sites that block this stuff unless people want to specifically access pornography in general, but child porn, that's non-negotiable. He had this to say. I'm concerned as a politician and as a parent um, about this issue, and I think all of us have been a bit guilty of saying, well, it's the Internet, it's lawless, there's nothing you can do about it. And that's wrong. I mean, just because it's the Internet doesn't mean there shouldn't be laws and rules and also responsible behaviour. So if we start with the first category, I mean, it is possible today to get absolutely vile images of child abuse that are illegal on the internet and we need to do much much more to stop all right and so he's promising to do just that now he's got a, a lot of support here in this country as well just getting a sense for it here earlier this morning but there are also critics and detractors some of the support even coming from joy smith who's a tory backbencher and she too <coughs> is pushing for tough new laws on child exploitation and she believes that uh, we ought to have porn blocks installed isp uh the service providers should be uh, mandated to do just that. Uh, let's start with that discussion first off, because it would have broad cultural implications of what you can access, what you can't. Some complainants this morning saying too much big brotherism, the Internet, leave it alone. Unfettered access is what makes it so appealing. Scott Masson, what do you say? I say that those that call for absolute unfettered access and for absolute liberty on this destroy liberty itself because they promote anarchy, and anarchy invariably... Um, prompts people to crack down so, such that we lose all freedom. So let, let me give an example which will make this clear. If I have the freedom to steal from everybody and there's no law against it, ultimately nobody's property is safe and there is no, 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 there's no property. Similarly, in a court of law, if I can slander my opponent and, uh, and not be held accountable when um, <clears throat> the truth comes out that I'm lying, if there's no perjury, uh, offense and so forth, then the truth is gone. Similarly with liberty, uh, if liberty is absolute, then we just simply have anarchy, in which case there is no liberty anymore. In this case, certainly the pornography industry has has run amok on the internet. And the issue is here that, that young children are accessing pornography, often unwittingly, they're not capable of 
handling it. Their parents aren't even aware of it, and it's just happening inadvertently. And the pornography they're accessing, let's, let's be clear, this is not consenting adults and stuff like that. It's, it's largely rape porn and stuff like that is the, the particularly egregious All right, stuff. So, so going on the Internet should just be like going into a store, and uh, you've got to be of a certain age, for example. You that's... buy what you choose rather than, right. Right, and, and you know, you've got to be 19 to buy smoke, so right. there is regulation as right. far as that's concerned. So he's making the case for regulation. Justin, is he wrong? Well, it's really complicated, and there's a lot in the bill, uh, the legislation that was introduced. Of course, there is no unfettered access to anything, and, and there, there isn't in Britain right now. You can't produce child pornography, nor should you be able to. Um, so I think there's some good aspects to the legislation. I think broadening, for example, uh, police powers uh, to uh, database and uh, monitor child exploitative imagery, that's but good. But this is going beyond uh, Filters child, are good. Child exploitative mm-hmm. This is all pornography, in, in, which becomes yes. somewhat subjective to some minds, but uh, still in all the service providers would block access access to anything and everything, exactly. but then you have to ask for it. So the onus becomes on the, the person yeah, I who think, wants to I think consume. that's okay. I think having those filters in place so that uh, adults um, uh, can monitor and be aware of what is available to their children in their homes, that makes sense. But to tell adults that they don't have the right to uh, look at certain imagery because the government has declared them to be off bounds. Um, I think that's where it's problematic. The idea of blacklisting certain search qu- criteria, that's especially problematic because there's no context there. There's no way to know if somebody's searching for a term uh, because they're going to learn how to exploit p- uh, people, including children, as a result of where that search might end up or whether they're actually doing it for legitimate educational research right, but if you're opportunities. An edu- if you're doing it for educational research, then all you've got to do is provide the service provider with, uh, I guess, a password that has been vetted already, that has been set up in advance. So you don't have... No, like- that's, the, the, the filters are there uh, uh, to, uh, to, that you can set them on or off for parents to be aware of what sites their children can access. But according to this legislation, there will be some search criteria that search engines will uh, produce uh, 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 no results when you, when you search them in, uh, even for uh, law-abiding adult citizens who would otherwise consent to uh, wanting to see where that particular search would lead. And I think that's problematic. <coughs> Because well, of the nature ta- of search engines, they uh, they relate information in ways where you can't really control where a particular criteria is going to lead. So you blacklist a, a given word, which might deny you access to legitimate sites. On the other hand, you might search via an unblacklisted word and end up on sites that maybe should be blacklisted. All right. Well, if they iron out some of these wrinkles, uh, you're saying, okay, I guess where I'm understanding it in its most simplistic terms, adults, whatever, they just want to access for their own amusement or enjoyment, a porn site, they would need to provide a password. Right now, they don't. Uh, they get in uh, willy-nilly. We certainly understand with child pornography where you want all kinds of screens and filters put in. Uh, nobody, I think, disputes that. In the interest of protecting child pornography against that, uh, they're saying all pornography, the default position is that you should have to uh, give some reason to the service provider why you should gain access. Scott, does that make sense? It makes sense to me. I understand the objection, the concern about it, but the reality is that, as I say, when anarchy is the rule, which it is the rule, then invariably there's going to be uh, an attempt to create a law. And then at the, que- the question of that at that point is what law and whose law and according to what criteria are we going to govern this? Now, the, the Christian position on this is that the law that we adhere to is the moral law of God. 
I referred to stealing. I referred to uh, a slander. We could talk about adultery. The, the whole context of, of, the, of the law is that is the very grounds of our liberty. That's right. That's wrong. And we act in accordance with that. Um, and at the case of uh, this uh, fellow recently, the, the guy who put on the Internet Luca Magnotta's, uh, you know, killing of this man mm. uh, live on the Internet, he's being charged with obscenity. Well, and there is actually a U of T uh, law professor who objects to going back to this outdated law. Well, the, the law is actually not outdated. It shows precisely uh, how relevant uh, moral laws are on these things. All right, well, yeah, he's been cited with obscenity and corrupting morals. Correct. Someone who's uh, been, you know, a performer in the pornography industry for uh, low of these last 30 or so years. Ron Jeremy has joined the Oakley Show at Talk Radio AM 640. Hey, Ron, we've got a discussion going on here because the UK, I don't know if you're familiar, has implemented this law heard, about it. Yeah, I heard. So, do you think that there's yeah. uh, complications or problems with this law, or would you support it, especially? Well, I'm scared of, I'm scared of where the database is going to go. Like it's like, is this going to be England's answer? Like, here are the list of perverts. They're right here, you know. And I like the fact that they're putting, everyone likes to watch, you know, consenting adult movies, you know, watching consenting adults having consenting sex for consenting adults to watch. And now suddenly you're going to be in a database with all the other people who might want to see it, you know. And that I find troublesome, don't you? Well, do you consider that an erosion of civil liberties? It's absolutely exactly what that is. And look, in some ways, I also blame the adult industry. We're not innocent because they've done a lot of stupid things that brought this upon, that may have helped bring this upon themselves. Like you know, when they advertise so strongly in places that don't want to be, that don't want it. Like you know, if you misspell, I think they finally got rid of this, but there was a, for a while there. If you misspell Britney Spears, it led to a porn site. Right. If you go to WhiteHouse.com, it led to a porn site. It was sneaking it in where it where. It, they just hit you with it when you weren't even expecting it. And I don't like that. That's as offensive as being on 42nd Street in Manhattan and having barkers come up to you and put flies in your face. Even if you're on a date, you can say, hey, go check this out. Check out these new dancers over there to the left. And they bark at you. I mean, I'm a fan of PR. We all need it for businesses to succeed. But when they make it so blatantly, you know, uh, pushy, you know, then, and they're brought upon, I guess, in some ways, this. Uh, you know, on themselves. So, Ron, what you're saying is, well, you're saying the adult industry can't police itself, so now they're going to put the onus on uh, either service providers or the people who want to access these sites to have to give up a password and perhaps cede some of their civil liberties or their privacy. Uh, where do you think, you know, that... I think I, I think they, they, I don't think they're totally 100% guilty, but I think they helped. I wouldn't say the adult industry is, you know, is, is at fault. I'm saying that they weren't... Well, they police themselves really well. I mean, I don't want to knock that. They have all kinds of disclaimers as part of every tape, DVD, website. They have all kinds of disclaimers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand the coherence of the position here. The the position of the pornography industry is that all law and restraint on sex is we're going to ignore that, and now we don't like the consequences of our position as they're going where they're going, and so now we want uh, a law to come in to restrain it because we don't agree with it. But on the other hand, we don't want a law because we don't trust the people who would bring in the law. And I, I agree with you that it, there's the arbitrariness and the sense of not wanting to let people who are um, arbitrary in their determinations and their own depravity making laws for the rest of us. But that's precisely why uh, Christians point to the law of God, because we're all guilty under that. We're but the, also but the law all of God is something we're that. each individually supposed to 
understand and and make uh, our own decisions to be in line with or not right not to have the state come in the nanny state come in and enforce god's law on us because that's the state interpreting which of god's many competing laws you know should be enforceable to the rest of the community but the, we've been talking well, mostly about the civil liberties aspect had, of this they had, and, they, had, they had um you know the reason why the business got you know, kind of boomed here in america is that it went to video people could see in the privacy of their own homes when the when it was all the movies when it was out in theaters before they invented VHS, DVDs, CD-ROMs. It was um, it was in theaters. A lot of people did not want to go because they didn't want to be seen going into theaters. They want their neighbors to see them. They're embarrassed. It's a sexual thing, and they're embarrassed. Why would they be embarrassed? Now, was the law? Well, you know, come on, people just thought the you know I won't. Well, the society we live in is one that ostracizes certain. Forms right, and now of we're moving towards a society that doesn't do that, and and we're getting the consequences. Well, I think that's, that's very true. We have a government introducing legislation. They're motivated. All right, hang on, hang on, Ron. Finish the thought. It'll cost millions. It'll cost cost millions because people will be afraid to you know register. All right, well, yeah. uh, register. Yeah, okay, so uh, it might though. Is that the cure for this scourge of a child pornography and just in general because a lot of the kids are accessing before they're maybe of uh, an appropriate age? Because they say some of the main consumers of this are twelve to seventeen, right? Now, th- those are, those are the oh. main consumers, and, and the average age of, of of seeing it is about eight years old. The participants are often underage, and there's a whole industry that is, as I say, rape porn is mm-hmm. is increasingly popular. Uh, as and, much and, as it's it's problematic that younger children are viewing the material. I think we have to look at this from a what's what's the policy position or the, a policy standpoint that would minimize harm on children. We've had child exploitation experts suggesting that the, this legislation, uh, though uh, seemingly you know quite grounded in in rigorous morals, uh, might actually do more harm than good if it gives people a false sense of security. If they well, think that because I, I, I there are, think a false there sense are of warnings and disclaimers danger. that that's actually going to stop pedophiles. All right, let me ask Ron one last question. Ron, do you think the adult industry can be uh, found guilty of grooming young people uh, before they're age appropriate? No. In fact, we worked with the, uh, there's an organization called ASACP, to the Association of Science Advocating Child Protection. Well, we actually, we actually call them the websites, and we prosecute a lot of these companies ourselves. According and, to what law? Uh, I can show you this article. We have an article I could show you, Ryan, if I was there with you, where the FBI actually gave us a thank you for helping track down a kiddie porn ring over in France. You know, so we are against that, too. We're not, you know, we're a legal adult business, you know, we're you know, we're not we're not advocating children or see to watch or participate. This is like a whole a... other industry. In fact, and usually that doesn't have people are committing this, this sex trafficking. That's one thing of prostitution because they don't want to get videotaped breaking the law. Let me play exactly. devil's advocate on this. I, I, Scott, let me, I think you're, you're I think what's going on here is an industry that profits. From, no, no, no. An industry, an industry that profits greatly from pornography is is seeing a, a real damage to their reputation publicly, and so they want to be seen to be doing good deeds by going after this, when really the, the, the restraint on uh, licentiousness, which you guys have thrown off, and you're getting the fruits of that, or we're getting the fruits of this now, now you're trying to act like you're cowboys and are really concerned about exploitation. I mean, come on. We've never, they've never profited ever off uh Anything that is illegal. Oh. You know, so you can't really... It's a <laughs> Pornog- the the pornography that, was illegal when you guys started it, anyway. Uh, listen, Ron, Jeremy, I appreciate you joining the program this morning. I know you've got to catch a flight out, so we'll let you go on that note. Uh, he is saying this is an erosion of civil liberties. 
Uh, Justin, we'll let you say your piece on this. We'll come back and take some calls. This is a big story when we've got the U.K. implementing a policy where ISPs will have to install porn filters. You've got a, a conservative backbencher who has the prime minister's ear advocating for as much, and Barbara Kay writing in the National Post earlier on this program this morning saying it would be a good rule to follow. Let's follow the U.K. in that regard. Any adults who want to access the stuff would have to give a password like a storefront and go in there in a uh, proactive way. You can't just, by default, get in. Uh, so what do you say? Good idea or not? All right, we're back into it. We just heard from Ron Jeremy. He's one of those stars in the porn realm and uh, believes that this is an erosion of civil liberties where you'd be in a data bank if you wanted to access porn. The U.K. is going to that. Service providers will have to install porn filters. Many in Canada clamoring for the same. Or is that too much big brother? That's the question we ask you. Let's take some calls. William on the 401, what do you say? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, rem- I, don't, I was too young for this, but I do recall a time when my parents had to go to the LCBO to the kiosk window and ask permission and get the slip for the booze. So there's a question of that that, get, that comes into play. It's history repeating itself. But here's the thing. This will do nothing, nothing to, to the aims of the, of the law, to protect children. People who want to access child pornography will circumvent these asinine restrictions. They tried this in Australia. It was an object failure. A 15-year-old figured out how to completely bring the system down, and, and they ended up squashing it. Well, we're talking about pornography in general, uh, something that's deemed to be, because there would be filters on this with certain words that come up or uh, whatever. They would be filtered out unless you proactively wanted to get in there. And that's even for the casual surfer who might be an adult in all good conscience. Uh, just for recreational purposes, they too would have to submit a password. If I may just pick up on the caller's point, because I think there is there is some validity there. If parents think that the the state has set up this level of protection and it's it's very secure and once they turn it on you know it immunizes their household from being affected by the influence of pornography they don't have conversations with their children about it they don't teach them uh safe sex they don't teach them um uh, why the kinds of vile images are going to get exposed to if not in the home perhaps elsewhere where the filter is off why they should not go to those kinds of websites then we have to look at whether uh, it does more harm than good. But for the record, again, I, I am in favor of the filters. I think that there is a good justification for them. It's just I hope it's not the only thing we're doing to, to help uh, protect children from exploitation. My big concern is if we are limiting law-abiding, consenting adults from being able to do legitimate uh, searches uh, for all sorts of purposes, and I'm not going to judge those purposes except to say that some people will search for some terms that might otherwise get blacklisted for legitimate reasons, and that's what scares me. Let me go back aspect. to the caller's point. I mean, the caller's point is effectively like uh, having fences around your yard when you have a pool. Just because people are going to be able to hop the fence and get in the pool, therefore we shouldn't have any fences that will keep some people out. I mean, just because some people will be able to be able to get around this, which I grant, doesn't mean that the majority are going to do it or that we shouldn't seek to prevent the in- invariable harm in it. All right, let's go take more calls. Alex in Brampton, what's your take? Good morning. Uh, well, I feel the old, you know, slippery slope argument. Uh, it starts with the porn, but then, you know, what's next? Uh, as far as the children go, absolutely parents should be teaching and monitoring what their kids are doing. Uh, you know, I'm, personally, we do random checks on my daughter's laptop and uh, iPod and things like that. You know, she's, we don't really, you know, check every thing that she's doing, but she knows that at any moment it can be checked. So, All right. So you feel yeah, it. Uh, 
that's the way you would want to handle it and have that responsible conversation, and the onus is still on you to uh, police this, rather than having the state sort of implement some kind of a fail-safe. What they're talking about here, though, is, John, as well, is when you buy a computer at the moment, it's sort of set up to allow all things, and that's the default. The new default will be you buy a new computer, and it's set up to block those, and you have to click something in order to activate and open it up. So that seems to me entirely reasonable, just like blacklisting uh, public or um, uh, adult content in public Wi-Fi. That seems to me entirely reasonable. Again, that's a public space. It's yeah, not no disagreement on that. I mean, these sorts of things are entirely possible, and there are things that can be done, and they're good things, I think. All right, Robin Whitby, how about you? How do you feel? Yeah, hey, I think it's a right-headed law sort of being implemented in a, a wrong kind of uh, unwieldy way. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they're trying to do is uh, stop this uh, porn from becoming public, from uh, being displayed for anyone. So they're trying to Mm -hmm. identify that only the adults can use it. We have laws, uh, we have existing laws in public where you can't exhibit porn in public. You can't uh, go to a public meeting and not identify yourself. Really where this is going is that people are going to be identified when they're on the Internet and they're trying to communicate or trying to do access adult or restricted uh, sites. You don't think that's happening already? That's the, that's the necessary regulation that's required so that we can enjoy all the benefits of the Internet by regulating the Internet with our public laws. Do, do, you, do you really think that they're not monitoring the Internet or they're not they're monitoring, monitoring your phone? Using it, and the kids are using it. So you have, you're going to have to say, uh, I'm Rob from Whitby with the necessary code and then they'll let you get on and do what you're allowed to do. Is like I've got a passport. I can go to um, to other countries. I can go to other things with my passport. Everything I do in an adult manner requires identification. We're not asking for more than that. And All right. I think that's, so you support the the whole initiative then? Well, I I support it from a right-headed perspective, but it's going to become unwieldy as soon as you say, okay, that worked a little bit for porn. Uh, what about for other kinds of crimes that are occurring on the Internet? Yeah. Now the Internet service providers are going to be the ones responsible to, to have all these filters for every person, and it's more uncontrolled. If it was controlled like our passport is centrally through each nation, that we had the laws applied to the Internet that apply to people in the nation, then uh, it, it, it would uh, naturally lead to uh, just an extension of our public uh, abilities. But, right. but the, I think the problem is, as the caller says, the, the law is too big and unwieldy. It starts from a really good premise, protecting children. And I've said a few times now that aspects of that part of the law make sense. But because it also uh, is, is coming from a moral standpoint that pornography is bad or sinful... It's exploitative. Or, or exploitative by its very nature, yes. I think it, it very quickly becomes too large. Um, and if you look at the, the data and you look at the uh, the actual evidence, there is no correlation between the advent of easy access to pornography, say in the 90s when the internet uh, became uh, uh, in most households, and um, people actually acting on some of these disturbing pornographic images that they were able to see. Um, rapes didn't go up, violent assaults didn't go up. In fact, crime generally, including those kinds of crime, went well, down. So statistics in the 90s. from the 90s and the statistics don't But that's when pornography became very easily accessible well, for the first about the time internet. to yeah. most people, including young people. Oh well, well, your your information is 20 years out of date, Justin. I'm afraid. The, I'm giving it, you that as one ex- pivotal example. Well, uh, the 90s the, is not pivotal, and it's actually irrelevant. That the, the reality is, and all educators are acknowledging this. Women's rights groups, uh, child's rights groups, they're all saying the exploitation that is going on the 
internet is rampant and it is so bad that groups that actually special have, interest groups that have an agenda or an axe to grind certainly are ch- children's give, rights groups women's exa- rights groups you can give exa- i'm not pointing at specific groups here i'm just saying there when you look at the actual research when you look at the 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 statistics and you compare them to when you compare the access to pornography to the prevalence of these crimes there is no correlation right, so the crimes are taking place on the internet different countries there's no correlation there they're the, saying all right i just want to say no quantifying the dehumanizing quality of uh rampant pornography on the internet there's that's nothing. simply not well, true well, though well, it's dehumanizing i'm just suggesting that, that if these this legislation is is overwieldly because of its premise thinking that all pornography is by its nature um harmful and should and and adults should not have access to it or should limit it the access or we should make adults feel ashamed so that they're not as likely to want to access it, any of those moralizations of the law, I have a problem with that step. All right, let me uh, just interject here because I've got a few other items quickly on the agenda. You know, speaking of screening, uh, Canadian Blood Services, lifting the ban on gay men donating blood. Uh, There's a five-year window where I guess it's the honor system. As long as you haven't had gay sex in five years, you can donate blood. Uh, Are we okay with that lifting of the prohibition yesterday, uh, Scott Masson, or would you retain it as the Americans have, a ban, a lifetime ban on gays donating blood? Well, I mean, the science on this is develops in, uh, all the time and their ability to screen and so forth. But I, I think the ban's there for a good reason. The instance of uh, sexually transmitted diseases amongst the gay community is certainly way higher than it is in other communities. And that's precisely why the ban was there. Um, the idea of a five-year arbitrary uh, line on that seems to me just that. It's arbitrary, and the way that they've dealt with it in the past is simply if you're involved in this, then you're more likely, and therefore... And it's, a, it's also a question of uh, the public perception of how uh, safe the blood is. If the public does not trust it, then the whole system implodes on that. And so that that's uh, also a part of the issue. Uh, aside from the community itself, which is barking about being discriminated against, the question is, are you going to want your blood to to receive blood from the public uh, health system if you think it might be tainted? That's the reason that it seems draconian and extreme. All right. It's Do you think they're lifting, the trust the, factor. lifting the ban for scientific reasons or political? Political. All right. Justin Trotchy? Well, the ban has been there for, for many, many years, and uh, the gay rights community has been very active on this file for many, many years, so I think they've taken their time and due diligence to make sure that, in fact, the screening techniques, as Scott mentioned, have improved, and with the improving of technology, uh, uh, certain things which might otherwise have been risky uh, do become safer. Giving blood, donating blood, having blood transfusions is by its nature risky. Um, uh, people can always lie when they give blood about their, about their past. Um, so I think that uh, there has been enough research that it is that it makes sense to go forward. Five years is arbitrary. You and might right, be, it relies on honesty, but that's right. always been true. You about might be right, Justin. On this. The, the question, though, is it, to, to my mind is whether I mean, you might be right. But the question is, does the public trust the government and the scientists to deliver objective um, um, opinions on the issue of of gay sex and it's a consequence on public policy and I think given the direction of public mm-hmm. policy that there's a, a, a serious doubt I would have thought in many people's minds and I, I think this Perhaps. is a, this is not a good legislation. Hey by the way I'll end on this note uh, just throw it around quickly back and forth we talked about it it's been uh, given some added currency with the arrival of a newborn to William and Kate is the monarchy still relevant to Canada? Justin? <laughs> Um, I, uh, I would say that I'm a cautious Republican, um, uh, not with a capital R, of course, uh, but I, I do believe that uh, the monarchy is a vestige of, uh, 
uh, unfairly providing authority to an individual because of the happenstance of their birth. I think it's incompatible with the principles of, of democracy, of secularism as well, I should add in. So, yeah, I think it's time to move in a, a more a, a representative democratic direction, get rid of the monarchy. Scott, finally. I'd have to answer to my wife if I said otherwise, but uh, I would say the monarchy should be preserved as it is. And uh, I'm a cautious Republican as well. <laughs> However, it is uh, we live in a constitutional democracy. Um, under the Queen, I think um, it should remain so. Until? Uh, until? Whenever. The eschaton. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both. Uh, Scott Masson is the Associate Pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto. Justin Trache, a spokesperson for the Canadian Secular Alliance. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share it with friends, but do not charge for or alter the material in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. Thank you.